I'm Christy Code Red, and you're listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle, where we believe food holds the power to heal or poison, and we believe our society has been misled regarding proper nutrition and weight loss. You're in the right place if you're looking for some straight up truth, because I'm here to shed light on the lies and brainwashing that has taken place over the past five decades. Thanks so much for listening. Hey guys. Hey everybody. Christy Code Red. Mm. So excited to have you with me. Always love this. I love that I'm doing this now. I'm doing a webcam and uh, kind of stepping up my podcasting game a little bit. <laughs> stepping up, stepping up, which means I got to start doing this with some makeup on now that you're now that you have the ability to watch me as well as listen to me. So Good to have you on here today, guys. I'm going to be talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, something that happened to me a couple of times when I was a kid, something that's happened to a lot of us. In fact, I have picked, uh, I asked my followers and and uh, the the rebels to share with me a couple of their personal stories that that this happened when, to them, and I'm going to, and they gave me permission, I'm going to read it to you guys, because this is something that we all need to be aware of, and we're talking about leaving people with impressions that go far beyond your words. People don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. Now, full disclaimer, look, I don't believe that anybody makes anybody feel anything, all right? Nobody makes anybody blank, okay? You don't make, you can't force somebody to to make someone make you feel blank. All right. So I'm, I am all like that, that, that whole victim mentality. I'm so sensitive to it. I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it, but I do think we should be responsible for the impression that we leave with people, especially if you're an influencer, especially if you're a parent, especially if you're in any kind of a power, any kind of a position of authority. If you are a teacher, if you, you know, if you, if you're a coach, if you are leaving impressions on kids, that kind of stuff, which a lot of these happened when we were all kids and we've never forgot them. Imagine that. I mean, I've forgotten a lot of things because I've spent, I mean, I spent a little over seven years as a professional boxer and I got hit in the head a lot and I have memory issues. I have a, I have a head injury and it's, uh, I don't remember a lot, but man, I remember what I'm getting ready to share with you and what I'm getting, I'm getting ready to share other people's stories. So we really want to be careful how we make people feel because they are going to remember that long after they have forgotten the words that you've spoken to them. I'll start with my story. I have two stories that in my mind, well, one's horrific and one's awesome. <laughs> so my first one, and you, you might've seen in my Code Red Revolution book, by the way, if you're interested in picking up a copy, you can pick up one at coderedrevolution.com. Pick up a copy of your book. I dedicated my book in the acknowledgments section. I acknowledged someone that is, it just might seem a little unusual to read what I wrote in that section. And what it was, when I was 15, I was able to have a job. The state of Idaho allows, at this time, I mean, I'm 43 now, and so this was many years ago. Things were probably a little different now, but at 15 years old or at 14 years old, you were allowed to have a job, uh, a regular job. And I remember my parents, I got, I got my driver's license at 14 and I was able to get a job. And they said, Christy, my, my mom and dad said this to me, if you could pick anywhere that you would want to work, where would it be? And I said, the Orfino Care Center. And you know, it's an old folks home, right? 
I don't even know if it's still there. Seriously, I don't even know. I don't know. I haven't visited. I don't know. And my mom and dad, I remember, kind of laughed at me. They were not laughing at me, but they were like, really? Of all the places you would want to work, you want to work in an old folks home, you know, wiping behinds and, and feeding, you know, and I mean, that that's the truth of it. If you're working at, an, at, a, at a convalescent center or, I mean, we call them old folks home. I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Uh, I have, obviously, that's where my heart was. So I'm not making fun of it, but, um, you know, and I said, I don't know why I, I, I did. I wanted to work. I wanted to work there, you know, and, and of course I desperately, you guys know, I've been transparent about this. I've desperately have always wanted to be an RN. I've always wanted to be a nurse. I love, I love nurses. Even to this day, my sister's a nurse. As you guys know, Carrie's an RN with an MSN. And I just am obsessed with, with that. I love, love, love RNs. Anyway, and I think I just maybe was kind of obsessed with the idea of maybe wearing scrubs and those neat little shoes. And, and maybe I got to use a stethoscope and I got to look kind of official. I don't know. I don't know. But I got a job at the Orfino Care Center at 14 years old in the laundry department, in the housekeeping department. I wasn't even working with patients. I, got to, I didn't get to work with, with residents, right? So I'm, I'm washing sheets in this dungeon, this drippy, damp, basement where they kept the, the, uh, laundry, you know, the, the laundry down there, you know, and, and I would just be just slaving away, just washing clothes in that downstairs laundry facility. And I was in the break room one time and it, oh, you guys we're talking, okay, let me just back up a second and say, do you guys know that my town of Orfino at the time that I'm, that I'm recalling this story was only 2000 people. Really, really small town, really small town. Okay, 2,000, 3,000 people, something like that. So this is just not a very big facility. Okay, anyway, I'm in the break room and I'm having lunch. I'm having my little sandwich, you know, and in walks Nancy, the administrator of the Orfino Care Center. Now, I would love, I would give anything to be able to talk to Nancy now because there's no way that she remembers this. There's no way that she even recalls me. I mean, there's no way that she knows. I mean, I was just a 14-year-old kid, you know? I was just some young girl with long brown braids. And anyway, um, she walks in and I remember looking at her and she was tall and she had on this business suit and these high heels and these pantyhose. Her bangs were cut straight and she was so professional looking and beautiful to me and powerful and strong and confident. And she walked in and her hands were folded and she sat down and I do not remember one single thing that she said to me, but I remember her being so kind. I just remember this kindness coming through and she sat down and she talked to me and she looked at me in the eyes. She had her hands folded in front of her like this. Oh, I remember this so clearly. And it left an impression on me for the rest of my life that if I was ever in a position of authority, if I was ever in a powerful position or an influential position, that I would always treat people with kindness. It doesn't matter where they are. I would always, I wanted everybody to feel the way I felt. I wanted people to walk away from, from talking to me, feeling the way I felt when Nancy sat down for freaking two minutes and talked to me. She left me filled with such warmth. Oh, 
She made me, I mean, I felt like I could just conquer the world. It was just amazing, right? And I don't remember what she said. I just remember the warmth and the kindness coming from her. And that's what I'm talking about. And since that day, I have always made a point to treat people that way. I've always been kind to the janitor. I've always been kind to wait staff. Of course, I spent a lot of years as a waitress. So I would, <laughs> I mean, why, why would you be, why would you be unkind to somebody? Like that's just so, that's ridiculous to me. That crap comes back around, you know? So anyway, that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. And I, I, I asked a couple other people and I wanted to read to you a couple of the stories that I got. Now, I have been given permission to say the names of these people that donated their stories for my podcast here. This is from Tammy Redding. She's one of our rebels. And wow, this perfectly defines what I'm talking about. She writes, when I was five years old, my dad was upset that my grandma gave me some banana strawberry jello. He said to her, you are going to make her fat. At the time, I didn't even know what it meant, but I remember feeling the shame of it. That thought has, that moment has never left my brain. And I, it has created this closet eating disorder that she has dealt with for years. She said, uh, this has programmed in my head that food was full of shame and that's associated with food. So it's just, it's, a, it's incredible to me Five years old, she didn't understand what those words meant. She didn't understand what gonna make her fat. She didn't understand the banana strawberry. She didn't, she, didn't, she just felt the shame of that. She felt the shame of it. That's incredible to me. You know that, that only 7% of all communication is actually verbal? Guys, we're talking about 93% of communication here that is coming from your body language and your eyes and your your hands, how you gesture with your hands and even your voice fluctuation, I, you know, the way your shoulders move. Oh my gosh, so much, so much communication happens that outside of being verbal, it is so important. And, and a story I'm going to share with you again about me, that's a horrific story about the same time that it happened with Nancy. Another story happened when I've never forgotten. Oh my gosh. And I don't remember exactly what was said. In fact, I don't think any words were spoken. But anyway, anyway, you're talking about so much that happens, so much communication that goes on between us and other people and us and animals, by the way, that they can sense. And if we want to take it a whole step further, us and plants, like everything has energy, right? I mean, they've done studies where they've taken plants and they have talked nice to plants. And I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with even saying this just because I really don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I read this somewhere. Surely it could. I found it on the Internet. Surely it could be true. But they did these studies where they shouted into these jars of plants. They shouted mean, condescending, hurtful words, just dirty words, nasty words. And these plants actually shriveled up. And then they did studies where they they spoke kindness. And it's not the words, it's the energy coming with the words. So there's so much energy in our communication. There's energy that we're putting out to our fellow person, our fellow human, our the, the animals that we come encounter with, and, and of course, to plants. And so I, I, you really need to be aware 
that, you know, we go through our everyday life. We, we get caught up in the groceries and the, and, and the school and the nine to five job. And we pick up our kids from daycare and we go and we visit our in-laws and blah, blah, blah. We just go through the motion. You might go to the gym. You might work out. You sit down, you watch your favorite Netflix show. It's just, we go through the motions and we just, we don't realize the impression that we're making when we encounter people. And you do need to be held responsible for the way you are making people feel, the impression that you're leaving on them. Some of it is not your fault. Some of it you didn't mean to, you know, some of it people just, they got a problem and they're going to take you wrong no matter what you do. But guys, I mean, if you're, if you're approaching people with love and kindness, nine times out of 10, they're going to feel that from you. You know, even if uh, I've had to fire employees, I've had to, I've had to to make some pretty hard decisions with regard to code red. But if I lead with love, I find that it goes over okay. It's it it turns out okay. And it's always best if you can do it face to face, you know. Um I want to read another one from uh, someone named Jessica Brisson. Jessica, I hope I'm saying your last name right, but I think I'm B-R-I-S-S-O-N. Jessica Brisson, another Code Red Rebel that has given me permission to share her story. I remember when I was suicidal, depressed, and angry with myself, full of self-pity and rage because I was using alcohol to numb my pain and didn't realize I was an alcoholic. I tried to stop on my own, but my willpower was amazing in every other area of my life except when it came to alcohol. I woke up with the shakes, vomited my food, and for the life of me, couldn't stop as much as I wanted to. A lady reached out to me and I don't remember what she said. But I remember that in that moment, I felt safe. I felt like I wasn't alone. And I felt like I could face this issue with her help. Now I've been sober for five years. So did you hear that part? I don't remember what she said. I don't remember what she said. But I remember I felt safe. I felt like I wasn't alone. And I felt like I could face this issue with her help. And she did. Jessica did face the issue with her help. She's been sober five years. You know, I hope that, that I am leaving rebels with the impression that they can face their weight problem with my help, you know, with our rebel community. I hope they feel safe. They feel protected. That they feel loved. And that they let us love them until they can love themselves. That they feel like they can do it. I mean, we are wrapping our arms around and we are holding people up. That's what we're doing while they go through this. That's what we're doing. I want to read another story from a rebel that is, is it, it's interesting. This is interesting. Whether you agree with it or not, it's still interesting. Bethany Nay sent this to me on Instagram and told me I could use her name. I'm going to paraphrase it here, Bethany. I'm going to, I'm just going to cut it down here and get to the gist of it. She and her brother are eight years apart. Her brother is eight years older. So imagine that. You can you can imagine eight-year difference. And she absolutely, hugely looked up to her brother. She absolutely loved him, loves him to this day, to death, as they were growing up especially. And, um, I mean, he was her best friend. Probably still is. I don't know. I'm just going by what she wrote to me. When it was his 21st birthday, she was invited to it. And, of course, I mean, imagine an eight-year eight year difference here. You know, she's pretty young. So she goes to the birthday party and the people at the party were so uncomfortable. Nobody actually said anything to her, but 
she just got this overwhelming, huge, heavy feeling that she was the annoying little sister. And the feeling became so strong and so heavy on her that she was asked to leave the party. And she's never forgotten that I mean, nobody said anything. Nobody actually said any words because, you know, it's her little sister. I mean, I mean, nobody's going to say, hey, could you get your little sister to leave? And I don't know what they were doing at the party. And maybe she shouldn't have been there if there was alcohol. I don't know. I think she's LDS. I don't think there's probably alcohol there. But it's so crazy that that nobody said a word. And yet she could just feel their glares. She could feel their she could sense their body language. She could sense their their dislike, their disdain, their disapproval for the fact that she was at his 21st birthday party and um, they didn't want her there. And that has been that has always left her feeling so awkward and sad and angry and always had the feeling, and she says, I can never seem to shake off that feeling of being the annoying little sister. Amazing. Amazing to me that people can sense what they can sense. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You know that sense because we all get a sense. Look, they say that the gut is the second brain, and you get this gut feeling. That's not hippity-dippity. That's true. You get a gut feeling about something that's actually true. You can sense things. You can feel it. They call it the spidey sense, right? Like I could just sense that blank, you know? One more story I want to share with you is uh, one more about myself. Oh, Lord. You can tell when I tell it, I'm a little bit bitter. I trained horses for 13 years. A lot of you guys know this. I um, I had my own horses, several horses. And what I did was I trained and rode horses all over the Pacific Northwest and it was a really big deal in my life. It was a really, a really big thing for me, really big thing for me. And there was this girl, and her name is Emily. And I'll tell you her name. I don't care. And um, she was she was a total B word growing up. I mean, she was. And I think, I don't know, but I don't know her to this day. I think, I don't know. I think life kicked her around a little bit. She probably got a little nicer. I don't know. That tends to be what happens. She was quite a bit older than me. I don't know how many years, maybe maybe five years older than me, maybe four years older than me, five, I think. And uh, she also showed horses. And there, and I, it's, it's going to be hard to describe this scenario to you because I don't think I can quite capture maybe the embarrassment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to try. All right. And I don't say this like I'm not trying to, to talk nasty on this platform of somebody. Not at all. Not at all. I'm sure she probably doesn't even know. And I, And by the way, let me sidebar and say, I'm sure that I've done something to somebody at some point along the lines that I had no idea that I hurt them. Maybe I accidentally gave them a dirty look or I I rolled my eyes and I wasn't rolling my eyes at them. My gosh, if I have hurt you, if I have done that to you, please come to me and tell me so I can ask for forgiveness. I don't want to be this for this person because I certainly, I I didn't mean, I didn't mean to. Anyway, we were at a horse show and I looked up to her. You know, she was older and she was rotten, nasty, mean, just horrible, always had a bad attitude, always had this entitled mentality, always was snotty. But I mean, she was older than me. I guess I looked, I I don't know why, not to this day, why I would ever look up to somebody like that. But she had better tack than me. She had better horses than me. She rode better than me. She always won more than I did, you know, and, and, and she had, you know, a better horse trailer and a better truck. And she got to go to all the fancy shows and she had all the fancy ribbons. And I was just a poor kid with with homemade equipment, homemade showing clothes. And uh, we, we just had no money, you know? So one day her horse had won this big grand prize and um, she was featured at the county fair and she was in her stall 
and she was doing something with the horse. I think she was shaving his bridal path or something. She was doing something with this horse. And there, she had a huge crowd of people around her. And they were all looking. And she, they were all admiring this beautiful horse. And she was in the stall, you know. And she was messing around. And so my horse was next to her. So I'm like, oh, you know, look at all these people here. I can't believe it. And so I step into the stall next to her. And I said, hey, you know, Emily, do you need any help? I'm thinking... Do you need, like, I, you know, I, I'm feeling like, you know, she's getting all this attention, right? And I'm like, oh, this is so great. And I know her and I know her horse. And I've actually gotten to ride her horse. This is so cool. So I stepped in kind of the middle, you know, and, and, and I was trying to get a little bit of attention for myself, I guess. Or I was just, you know, like stepping in. It's like when people see me, they like, oh, I know Christy. And they, you know, whatever, whatever. Anyway, so I step in the stall and I'm like, Emily, do you need any help? And she turns to me, you guys. <laughs> And she gives me the nastiest glare. And she just, I, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even do it. And she just turns to me and like puts her hands like, what are you doing in here? You snotty little pimple face kid. Like get out of my stall, get out of my face. And it was, and she didn't say anything. She just turned slowly and just glared at me. And it like, I shrunk and it totally embarrassed me because everybody saw and I just turned and I slowly walked out of the stall and I closed the door, click behind me. And I just, just sulked. I mean, I, I just crawl. I was so embarrassed. I just crawled on my belly, but it was that left the impression that, that she was older than me. And I was looking up to her and I stepped into the stall and the least she could have done is, Hey, Christy, no, I don't need any help but thanks for asking. And maybe gave me like a little hug or, I mean, she could have smiled. She could have done like a million other things, but she turned slowly to where everybody could see her face. And she just glared at me. Like what on earth do you think you're doing anywhere near me? Who do you think you are? And man, <gasps> it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, I, that that's my, my heart. It just bursted into a million pieces. I mean, cause I just looked up to her and I wanted her because she never talked to me. She always, you know, she never talked to me. And I just wanted her to be like, hey, you know, or just smile, anything, anything, anything. And you know what? I've never forgotten. And you can you can tell just from my voice and me telling the story that I'm, you know, I'm a little bit, I don't know, I'm a little bit bitter all these years. I don't, I shouldn't say I'm a little bit bitter, but it's really just too bad that it went down like that. But it taught me a big lesson once again. And I was right around the same age as that other story with Nancy once again, I wanted to be really careful at how I treated people because I never, never, never wanted somebody to feel their heart shatter, shatter into a million pieces. I mean, I was just shattered. I would die before I would shatter some kid's heart like that. Like you guys have seen me around little kids. I love kids. I love kids. I mean, I take the time for little kids. I never want a little kid to feel shattered because of me. Never, 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 never. I will go to great lengths to make sure that no kid is ever feels that way because of me. I mean, adults, maybe they can kind of, but little kids, little innocent little kids, man, they don't know. They just see Christy Code Red. I'm looking up to her. She's got that cool hair, whatever they think of me. And that's my opportunity to make an impression on them, to say something to them, just, you know, just anything, anything positive, anything I can pour into them. And I really want to encourage you guys to just think, 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 think before you do, before you do anything like that to somebody. Think before, think what you're, 
what your body language says. Think about your facial expressions. Maybe just stop and take a breath before you respond. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten this wrong where I have responded too quick. And, and I, I made the wrong move. I said the wrong thing. I, could, I wish I could take it back. You know, it's so important, guys, that we all are so mindful of our nonverbal communication because that's what people are going to remember long after you're gone, long after that moment's gone, long after that moment's passed, long after they've forgotten what you actually said. They're going to remember how their heart exploded into a million pieces or just filled up with love, depending on how you handled the situation. I know that this was not weight loss related, guys. I know that, hey, Code Red, I, I'm, in, I'm in the weight loss business. I mean, I get weight off people. That's what I do. But so much of it is mindset. And I want to come to you with a well-rounded podcast and well-rounded information. And um, I want you to get a lot out of this. So it's important for you to really take this to heart and apply this to your real life. Apply this to yourself. Weight loss, no weight loss, parents, teachers, aunts, uncles, whatever you are in your life, you are influencing somebody. Somebody's always watching. Do not underestimate your power to make an impression ever, ever. I don't care what you do or what your job is or who you are, how old you are, how young you are. Never underestimate your power to make a good impression. Never. All right? Guys, go to CodeRedLifestyle.com. If you need help, if you want to get in one of our small group coaching groups, if you want to join a challenge, 10poundtakedown.com. We've got a challenges going on. It's so important, guys, that you stay connected to the rebel community. Stay connected to our tribe. Let us love you and let us help you get through whatever you're getting through. Because we've got counseling programs. All right. We've got a lot of stuff, a lot of ways to help you. Okay. All right. Good to talk to all of you. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. If you're not subscribed already, please be sure to do that right now. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review this podcast. That would be just so helpful. Speaking of help, let me know if I can help you. Go to coderedlifestyle.com, check out my programs, and see what we can do for you. Until next time, Rebel On.